you know what you're looking at is not always reflective of reality. It's not. What we see, because even when I pulled up last night, on my, I got the Weather Channel app on my phone, and you pull it up, and they always give you the worst case scenario. You ever wondered that? Why are we so prone to give the worst? Why not the best case scenario? Hey, here's the best case scenario. Irma's just going to die out before it even hits Florida. We're going to get a little bit of rain, but we needed that anyway. So it's all good. No, it's worst case scenario. You know, the hurricane's going to come straight up the, the coast and just absolutely split the country in half, and millions of people are going to die. I mean, that's what it sounds like. So the Lord said, he said, what you're seeing is not always reflective of reality. My original text was in 2 Kings chapter 6, where uh, the Syrian army was coming against Israel. And every time he would mount up and say, all right, go and take Israel, Elisha the prophet would say, uh, King of Israel, uh, the Lord told me that they're coming after you in this place, so will you go ahead of them and you'll defeat them. And every time they did. And the king of Syria got so frustrated, he called his people together. He said, all right, which one of you is leaking this information? And they go, no, 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 sir, you don't, it's not us. I mean, they had more faith in Elijah than they had in their king. He said, it's not us. They said, it's not us. It's the prophet. And he hears you even when you're in your bedroom chamber. Just because you see something doesn't make it reality. Your perspective determines your reality. Because everything in this natural world, as we have been seeing all along is subject to change at any given moment, any given time. What started out as a Category 5, and see, we pull, we don't realize it, but when we operate in fear, we pull, and here's the thing for you. Most people think the opposite of faith is fear. It's not. The opposite of faith is sight. The opposite of faith is sight. So what's drawing that thing closer to us? Or I should say, what's, drawn, what's continuing to try to draw it to us, but what has been transpiring that's moving it westward? What's happening? There's a tug of war that's been taking place between, I don't think I've ever seen a storm where people were standing on Jacksonville Beach, on Facebook, praising and worshiping. Who was it that said the election? Granny Carol. Okay, the same thing happened with the election. I don't think I've ever sensed the body of Christ raise up and, and, and do what they're doing for this particular storm. What you see is not always reality because it's subject to change. Why? Because you've been given the authority. See, we pray, Lord, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, as it is in heaven. Who has authority in heaven? When Jesus was here, okay, no, before that. So God said, boom, let us create man in our image and in our likeness. And let them, them, right? I want to get this right. Okay, that was the, that was the woman. 
Let, oh, let us make mankind in our image after our likeness and let them have complete sorrow. This is my Bible. But it's anointed. Over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, and the tame the beasts over all the fish. And let them, and he, in the image that he created, in the likeness of him, he created him, male and female, he created them. And let, there it is, verse 26. And let them have dominion. Was that God's original plan? Is that still his plan? But what happened? 2 Corinthians chapter 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Turn there. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Therefore since we have this ministry as we have received mercy, we do not lose heart. Verse 2. But we have renounced the hidden things of shame not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. But even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, whose minds the God, little g, of this age has blinded, who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. For we do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus and ourselves a bond service for Christ Jesus. For it is, verse 6, for it is the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ Jesus. So we know that their eyes are blinded. They don't know any different. They see a weather report. They start drawing that thing in because it's feeding the fear. What's feeding the fear? Sight. Fear is not in and of itself an entity. Fear is the lack of love. It's the lack of God's word. In the absence of his word, that's why he said, the just shall live by faith. He said, we do not walk by what? Fear? You don't say to someone, instead of... Uh, Instead of this thing, I'm going to give you this thing, right? The opposite. If, if, if the opposite of faith was fear, he would have said the just, they, we do not live by. No. He said we do not walk by sight, but we walk by what? So that means that our perception at any given time, our perspective can change at any given moment. So our eyes have to be fixed upon something that is immovable, that is unshakable. Jesus said, let us go to the other side. I'm telling you this morning, I was listening to this, and the Lord said, you don't think that's where you're at? Come on, New Covenant, Wednesday night, okay, let me, pause, let me give a little infomercial. Uh, Wednesday night, you don't want to miss being here, because we're going to have, Weather permitting, in the name of Jesus it will, we're going to gather everybody together Wednesday night and we've got some very exciting things to talk about the future. Okay? Are you with me? So you don't think that we're there? The Lord said, you don't think you're there? Let us. Used to be New Covenant Church, now it's fixing to be something else. Let us go to the other side. 
Jesus said, let us go to the other side. When did the storm pop up? Let's read it. When did the storm pop up? And they launched out. There wasn't no storm. The devil don't care about you starting. He's not against you receiving the word. He's against you responding to it. Y'all need to write that down. That was good right there. I already got it wrote down. He doesn't applaud. He doesn't attack you when you applaud the word. He attacks you when you apply it. He don't care about you sitting in here talking about, oh, well, no more worry. He's like, that's right, Charity, no more worry. Because the minute you leave here, he's going to have it sitting out. He can't do it right here on this property. We've always said that. I think the closest we've allowed him to get is down there by Carpenter Road. So it takes that long for the, the very essence and presence of God in this place, not in this place, but with us, that we've established the boundaries. And if you're carpooling, then it's even longer. Y'all didn't catch that. She said, "Where you know, should we, uh, some people say, well, should you evacuate your house? Why would I want to evacuate my house? I just built my house. I mean, I know what it can and cannot do. I was there. But beyond that, why would I want to leave the safer place on earth, which is where my abode is? Where he said, where I have authority. I don't have authority necessarily in somebody else's realm, but I have authority in my realm. There's wisdom in that. I understand that. I'm just telling you for me. I've never had that. We lived in my, my uh, grandmother's old house, which was next door to my mom and dad's, which was a trailer. We lived in that double-wide trailer for three years while we were getting ready to build this and praying about where we were going to go. And I think in all those years, it was only one time where we left and stayed with grandma and grandpa next door. And I didn't want to do it then. I was like, well, y'all go on. I'm going to sit right here. But I was like, no, I'm not going to let my pride get me. I'm going to go. But then, you know what happened that night? Nothing. A lot of rain. A lot of bark, no bite. The enemy is always trying to come against you. But he, he doesn't come against you when you do this. He comes against you when you apply it. And they launched out. Listen, they launched out. But as they sailed, he, the boss man, or so we think, because he corrects that, he fell asleep. See, you only have authority over the storms that you fall asleep in. You only have the right to exercise authority in the storms that you know you can sleep in. It's like that... Uh, the testimony of that woman in World War II where they were bombing everywhere. And she said her house was the only house left standing. And they said, why didn't you, what, what did you do? I mean, were you up all night praying? And she was like, oh, no, I went to sleep. She said, the Lord neither sleeps nor slumbers, so I didn't see any use in both of us staying up all night. There's a, there's a quiet rest. There's something that is tangible on the inside. Now, there are things in my life that I have to take by faith. In other words, my feelings doesn't necessarily line up with it. But there are moments in my life, 
and they become, now, now what I've seen is that your flesh will line up with what your spirit tells it to do more often than not, especially the more you walk by faith. Your flesh begins to understand that the dominating decision-making process goes through your spirit first, not through the flesh. And so what I've realized is that when the spirit of the Lord, something rises up in me, my flesh goes, okay, you the boss. Jesus was so confident that he fell asleep. And while he fell asleep, the enemy thought, "Mm mm-hmm, we're going to come against them because he's the God of this world. Right? And a windstorm came down on the lake, and they were filled with water and were in what? Jeopardy. I got this phrase that we've been saying, just because it's hard doesn't mean it's not the Lord. So then the Lord said this. He said, just because it's dangerous doesn't mean it's not me either. Because really the danger lies in the perception, not the reality of a thing. Were they in danger? Yes or no? Yeah. So why were the disciples freaking out? Because they didn't know what Jesus knew. Now, Hebrews 12.1 says, So since we surrounded by all those who have gone before, an enormous cloud of witnesses, let us drop every weight and every sin that so easily entangles us and slackens our pace, and let us run with endurance the long race set before us. Hebrews 13, 7, listen, not, listen to your leaders who have spoken God's word to you. Notice the fruits of their lives and mirror their faith. Jesus looked at the disciples and said, where's your faith? So now we fast forward to today. What do you think he's saying to us? If he said it to them, how much more is he saying it to us? Why don't we exercise our authority? Why don't we speak boldly about certain things? Why is it taboo to say in the name of Jesus, I rebuke this storm? Why? Because of sight. If one can put a thousand and two can put ten thousand, how many can seventy put? The number you can't even fathom. Because that's like the difference between seven times and sevenfold. Seven times is seven times the number. Sevenfold is you take the number and double it, double it, double it, double it. You see what I'm saying? Seven to fourteen, fourteen to twenty, and you keep going. Because for us, there is a a cumulative effort that God is wanting. He said, greater things will you do than I did. What is he talking about? Is he talking about quality? No. He's talking about quantity. Jesus was one man. He could only rebuke one storm at a time in the place that he was at. But we can rebuke as many storms as we need to wherever we're at at any given time. That's what he meant when he said, greater things will you do. You can't, okay, 1 John 4, 4. Uh, little children, you are of God. For, great, for, um, for greater is he that is in you 
than he that is in the world? Okay, so number one, take another look at who's in the boat with you. Better yet, take a look at who's on the inside of you. Greater is he. Jesus went to sleep. Why did Jesus go to sleep? Because he wasn't worried about some storm. Because he had an assignment. And he said, let us go. Nothing can stop what the assignment is in our life, especially when God tells you to do something. The only thing that can stop it is you. But it will never stop his assignment. His purposes, his wills will always be done. But we don't necessarily play a role in that unless we understand like they did. It's almost like people say, well, you know, Jesus was Jesus. He rebuked the storm. And it's like he said, son, I put that in there so that you will rebuke the storm. So that we stand at the face of that thing and we say, no, in the name of Jesus. So number one, look at who's with you. Number two, look at what he said. Look at the assignment. Let us go to the other side. See, the, the assignment is not for, I shouldn't say it that way. The word of the Lord that came forth, charity, was not for your excitement, but it was for your assignment. The, the, the words that have been given to you and to Inez, the words that have been given to me are for what? For our excitement, so we can sit around like we did the other day and draw out all these plans and be like, woohoo! Because he don't care about that. What he cares about is when we start implementing that assignment. He doesn't care about the words that have been spoken over her. Because as long as she does this, as long as we do this, it's not a threat. But the moment she starts grabbing a mic and standing up and rebuking stuff, mm, see, that's what those words were for. Not for our excitement, but for your assignment. Every one of you have an assignment. David, the words that have been spoken over you are not for your excitement, they're for your assignment. Come on, Mama Cleveland, you know what I'm talking about. The words that have been spoken over you in your life, were they not for your excitement but for your assignment, which was to pour into this one here and raise him up and pour into her and raise her up for such a time as this? For the church that you so faithfully served all those years? That was what the word was for because every joint supplies. My, the words that have been spoken over me as your leader are not for just my excitement. They have a purpose. It is because my assignment is to get you where God's calling us to go. This one knows that. Because the words, my assignment is to take the words that have been spoken over her, spoken over you, and cultivate that and remind you. Oh, don't you forget that word. But I don't feel, ah, don't you forget it. And you, the word has been spoken to this man. Don't you forget that word. Prophet. We recognize the gift. We recognize the office. But until he launches out, which he has, he'll never step into what God's called him to do. But now as he steps in and he launches out and says, Thus saith the Lord. Not to overpower your ability to hear for God yourself, but to bring confirmation 
and correction in the areas where you have ignored what God's been saying. That's really what a prophet's role is. Is to go, you know that stuff you've been hearing that the Lord's been telling you? Stop ignoring it, right? Go this way. Oh, that thing that you're coming up against that you're praying about, the Lord told me you've been praying to him, and he wants me to relay the information to you that what he told you to do, you need to do that. And you're like, how did you know that? That's the role of a prophet. It's not, listen, this man catches so much flack sometimes. The role of a prophet is not to make you feel good and, you know, floating on flowery beds of ease the rest of your life. If you reject what God is saying to you, the assignment on your life is so important that he will wake him up. He will wake me up to speak a word of correction to you because you'd much rather have me correct you and have the Lord correct you and chastise you than you would fall off and in your life end early. That's why he said that those that have gone before us, the ones that have gone before us, we don't have to deal with the same things they dealt with. You know, the persecution. and Listen, I'm telling you, I'm starting to see things. I've always rejected that, but I didn't know why, and now I know why. The early church, the forerunners, the Apostle Paul, he wrote the books that we now have. He didn't have those. He had them in him, but he forged a legacy for us so that we would not have to do the same things he went through. I don't want, how many of you want your children to go through everything you went through because, bless God, it was so good for you and learned it? The parents who say that, you know, well, bless God, I want my children to have to be broke so they'll learn the value of a dollar. They learn the value of a dollar from you, not from the things that the world tries to put on them. It's what you teach them. The value, you know what the value of a dollar is? A dollar. That's what the value of a dollar. Teach them the value of faith. Say, honey, money is a tool that we simply use to accomplish and to enjoy the things on this earth. Nothing more and nothing less. I don't know about you, but I sure, my father's Jewish. And he is constantly teaching me how to handle money. Because the people who know how to handle money will be the people who bring the greatest resources to the planet for the end time harvest. And let me tell you something, it's not borrowing money, it's having it. Anyway, that was free. We think the presence of God is to fix the problem, but sometimes it's to fix our perspective. The circumstances we ask God to change are often the circumstances God uses to change us. Lord, what are we doing in this storm? I mean, don't you care about me? I'm walking through this. Don't you care about me? And God in his mercy, Jesus in his love for his disciples, stood up and said, enough. And then he gathered the disciples around and said, do you see what I just did? Wasn't that amazing? One day, if you study hard, pray right, and live holy, you may be able to rebuke a storm. Is that what he said? What did he say? Where's your faith? 
Now, why would you say something to somebody like that if they didn't have the capacity to do what you just did? It would be unfair. It would be unjust. And if there's one thing I know about God, He is not unjust. He is a just God. I think, I believe, no, I know, that there are going to be things, because the Lord's already told me in, my, in our own personal life, there have been things that have happened in my life, and I go, God, why did that happen? And the Lord has said, because you let it happen. There are things that I have question marks about that I don't understand. And those I just set on the shelf. I don't make a doctrine out of it. And I certainly don't run from an obstacle or a challenge just because it didn't work one time. But there are things specifically in my life that the Lord said, listen to me guys, there are storms in your life that are never going to die down until you stand up and go, shut up. Until we rebuke them. And God in His mercy and His grace will help us as we walk along. But there will come a point where you have to, you know, take the driver test yourself. Don't you want to pass it? Don't you want to stand? Don't you want God to go, all right, listen, I can only be in one boat, but y'all can be in many boats. So I want you to take a boat, 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 and let's go to the other side. That's what he's saying. Because he knows that no matter what the enemy throws at us, we have authority to say, peace, be still. Greater seed that is what? In you. There's something inside of you that's for your assignment, not for your excitement. Praying in tongues and laying hands on people is great. And it's exciting. And it feels wonderful. But what's the purpose of it? So that when you can't sleep in the middle of the night like I couldn't last night. What am I doing? Sat there on the couch and I just, oh Lord, so cold floor for the Lord's sake of the Kalamazoo. In the name, sometimes that's all you can say. In the name of Jesus. Such a great thing that God has given us where I don't have to understand nothing. I can be half asleep and pray in tongues and accomplish 12 times more than I could with my sound mind. Somebody say Shandai. You really think that Jesus intends, no, do you really think that Jesus still intends on us depending on him and exercising his authority or he expects us to exercise ours? When you see who you are, you walk differently. You talk differently. You don't run from the battle. You run to it. And in the face of the ones that look like they're trained to handle the battle, you stand up and say, Who is this uncircumcised Philistine who dares defies the army of the Lord? When the economy is losing ground, and nobody knows how to handle the finances, but you do. We've been in negotiations. And first of all, I've never sold anything worth a million dollars. I've never been involved in anything. I've never been involved in anything worth a million dollars. I think the most I've ever been involved with was about 300,000. I thought I was going to pass out at the closing table. Because I thought, you know, when you're selling something that large, you're, you know, your commission 
you don't want to lose it and fear and everything. You just get all nervous. But I'm telling you, in handling this and stewarding this for God and his people, there's a confidence in me that goes, it's just a million dollars. Well, certainly I can't write a check yet for a million dollars. One day. But I look at it and I goes, I mean, it's just a million dollars. Now, if it was five million, that'd be different. I mean, a hundred million, that's a lot of money. But, you know, a million dollars ain't what it used to be. It really isn't. There are people that can write a check for a million dollars. And it would be the equivalent of you going into the Snoopy store and getting you a pack of Skittles. Now let that sink in for a while and meditate on that the rest of the day. In 1 Kings chapter 20 verse 14, the man, the warrior, said to the prophet, and who will start the battle? And the prophet said, you will. Who will stand at the forefront of one of the greatest times in history that we stand at? Who will stand at that doorway and say, here we are, Lord, send us? Who will send the armies of the Lord into the cities to take back what the enemy has taken ground in? Who will do that? And the prophet of the Lord says, tell him, you will. He takes a shepherd boy and brings him from the field to the palace. He takes Joseph, who was sold into slavery. So he took a slave and made him second in command. Talk about being at the right place at the right time with the right word. You don't know where you're going to be tomorrow. You don't know where somebody is not going to look to you and go, do you have the answer? And you go, hmm. Oh my gosh, you're standing in a room full of people and nobody knows what the answer is and the world is coming to an end and, and the leader of the group, the one with the money, the one in the company that's got the money says, does anybody have an idea? And you stand up with your glasses and you do like that and you go, uh, I do. And they go, you do? And you go, yeah. Uh, I was praying last night and the Lord showed me what we needed to do that if we'll sell this and do this, that uh, not only will we come out on the green, we won't be in the black, no, in the red, no more we be in the black, but that we'll be able to bless other companies who are fixing to go through this recession. He goes, he looks at you, he looks at your plan, and he looks at you, he said, uh, Vice President such and such, move your car. No, just give your car to him, because now he's the Vice President. And within a moment, you have been escalated from a data processor to the decision-making person on the team in a moment of time. God keeps good records. He does. Stand with me. He keeps good records. Come on. Let's just say this together. I'm not going to just receive the word. 
I'm going to do the word. Even if it feels uncomfortable. Even if you don't understand it. I'm going to look and I'm going to declare in the name of Jesus. Peace be still. Something that the Lord's been, the Holy Spirit's been bringing up to my spirit sometimes three or four times a day, but at least once a day. He'll remind me, stop trying to get it and just receive it. It's a big difference. Stop trying to get something and just receive it. Now look at that storm and look at Hurricane Irma in your mind's eye. Just picture that thing coming towards us. And then with all the confidence that you have now that you've heard this word and what the, the Spirit of the Lord is doing in you, just look at that thing and say, peace, be still. Not trying to work it, not trying to shout it. You just look at the thing and you say, peace, be still. It's having an effect. It is. It's having an effect. The move of God that has transpired over this nation over this past year. And I hear the Spirit of the Lord saying this is nothing more than a distraction that the enemy has sent to try to get those that are walking on the water to get their eyes off of me. And he says, I've already demonstrated it to you once, now twice. Not only do you have authority over the sea, but you can rise and walk above it. Two examples of how the wind and the waves and storms of nature have to abide and govern themselves according to what we say. Do not be afraid. Stand and see what I will do through you. In the name of Jesus. You know, one of, the, one of the other things that I've been asking the Lord is that in order to speak into someone's life, you have to have credibility. You have to have something. There has to be a platform. Sometimes that platform is given freely. Sometimes that platform is paid for. You know, Harold Eberly has a platform to speak when it concerns people over in the Middle East. Why? Because he has, uh, he has currency in that area. He has experience. And I just keep hearing the Lord saying, 
What you've walked through in your life, what we've walked through as a church is giving us currency and we will have that platform to testify to people. Well, we can say, I know what you're feeling like. I know where you've been and I've been there. Let me tell you what the Lord did for me. And now they won't have to walk through what we walked through. They'll rise above it. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your promises. And now we leave this place in full assurance that we walk above the wind and the waves, that we have authority to command it to do. In the name of Jesus, we leave with that expectancy. Let us go and now touch others' lives with that authority and with that power in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, amen. Listen, stay tuned to social media. If something happens between now and Wednesday, we'll let you know. But plan to be here and get the word out, okay?